Welcome to The Leadership Mind. I'm your host, Massimo Bacchus. This show is about the stories, assumptions, and perspectives that either create or block our ability to lead. In this podcast, we'll speak with those that are in the arena, the leaders themselves. By trade and training, I'm a leadership coach and facilitator with a relentless curiosity for helping people, teams, and organizations thrive in pursuit of making their vision and purpose a reality. The goal is to bring you new insights, perspectives, and practices to help you lead authentically, navigate your career intentionally, and grow high-performing teams successfully. My hope is that in these episodes, you will witness humility, where we celebrate our failures as much as our successes. Curiosity, where we share wisdom and insights openly. And community, where we grow together. Let's explore the leadership mind. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Leadership Mind. I'm your host, Massimo Bacchus, and today I'm joined by the nomadic coach, leader extraordinaire, Molly Mandberg, who is the founder of Wild Hearts Rise Up, and she's the creator of the Magnetic Influencer Collective, and she's also the host of two podcasts, Tactical Magic and Reveal the Game of Life. Molly, welcome. Thanks for having me. So as I just mentioned, you are a nomadic coach and uh, and guru extraordinaire and influencer, but I, like many people, are probably curious, like, where did this all st- stem from? Like, it's a pretty cool life that you're living, but like, what's the origin story that uh, that has led you down this path? Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to separate those two things for a moment and say I happen to be nomadic, but my clients are not necessarily nomads. I think some people work with me because they want to live a more freedom location independent lifestyle, or they just want to take their business more online, but I don't just work exclusively with nomads. I just happen to be a nomad and I'm also a business strategist and copy and content creation coach. Um, I graduated college in, uh, 20, uh, 20, 2008, excuse me. And the only thing I knew was that I wanted to travel. I didn't want a dead end job. I wanted to avoid, most things that look like responsibility at the time. So I just started working whatever job I had to, to make enough money to get somewhere cool. And I would go places like Costa Rica or Thailand or all over Southeast Asia. Um, and yeah, I would spend the winters being somewhere warm because I didn't like how cold and rainy it was in Oregon where I'm from. Uh-huh. And then I would travel around in the summer, visiting friends and family around the country and going to music festivals and being a little hippie artist. Uh, and after a while, about seven or eight years of kind of traveling nomadically like that, I accidentally started my business. I went to a Brian Weiss workshop in uh, New York at Omega Institute. And oh, that's Brian Weiss. What's we'll give us some context. Yeah. Brian Weiss is the author of many lives, many masters miracles happen. He's a, an expert in past life regression therapy, which is a healing modality where you look at if you've had past lifetimes whatever happened there might be impacting your life now. And I had a deep passion for that. So I went to his workshop and while I was there, uh, I realized that if I'm going to practice this or even like play with this modality at all, I want more skills with hypnosis, hypnotherapy. I wanted to be able to do the induction process like a pro. So I left that workshop. I got like quickly trained in a intensive hypnotherapy certification program. And then I was living in a tiny apartment with my boyfriend at the time and couldn't possibly see clients there. So I rented this little office and within 11 days of signing that lease, I realized I needed liability insurance, which means I needed a business name, which means I should have business cards to have business cards. You should have a website. So I kind of like poof within 11 days, 
what became a business owner. And this is in New York, this was happening? No, I went to the workshop in New York and I was living in Half Moon Bay, California at the time. Okay. Okay. So you became a business over a big business owner in, in 11 days and we're figuring it out quickly. And then, yeah. And then I had this, a big identity crisis because I'd been this like bartender and like nomad and kind of vagabond artist, star- starving artist, I will say. Um, and suddenly I was an entrepreneur and I had something that I thought could help people. And so I had to start figuring out what that meant and how I could get over my old identities that said, you know, you can't like you're stuck and I was pretty wounded and sheltered and not dealing with my own trauma and past at that point. Um, And then I went through this beautiful expansion process of learning how to heal my shit. And um, hopefully I can swear on this podcast. Go ahead. Yeah. And growing into the person that could actually like run a successful business. And along that process, that relationship I was in ended, I ended up moving back to Oregon for a little while, investing heavily in my business and in learning the skills that I thought I would need to grow online business stuff like courses and programs and sales funnels and email marketing and all these things. Um, and just how to be a leader in general, how to stand in integrity, how to speak my truth, how to craft my message, a lot of important pieces that, um, in the process was also self-affronting and, um, personal development demanding. And once my business took off, I had shifted from hypnosis to coaching, And I was geeking out on these sales funnel things and figuring them out and getting pretty good at them. I was developing tons of content. And I realized along the way that uh, I actually have a real knack for writing content, for creating copy, for building sales funnels, for connecting the pieces of the puzzle so that the system can work. And so that a message can go from a small audience to a larger scale. And I started letting, at first my friends hired me to do it. And then that just sort of blossomed and bloomed and now I run a six-figure business. And in that process, I sort of realized, okay, I can live wherever I want now. I don't have to be stuck in Oregon, but I do kind of want to still be on the road. I miss traveling as much as I used to before I had a business. And my solution was to buy a Sprinter van and build a tiny home inside of it. So I run my business entirely remotely. Currently, I'm in Tucson, Arizona. Um, My main hubs are kind of Austin, Texas, Colorado, where my dad is, Oregon, where my mom is, and then close friends I have in the Bay Area. Um, But I go everywhere and I still travel abroad, not as much as I used to. But um, yeah, part of what I try to teach my clients is that you can have the lifestyle that you want. You can have the business that you want that actually works for you. And you don't have to work 60 to 80 hours a week to make that happen. I mean, there's a a lot of work up front for a lot of these projects, but um, yeah, you can live the life you want to live. And I think I do this in a very weird way by saying I live in a van and run this business, but it's sort of me walking my talk and showing that that is possible. Yeah, for sure. What were some of the the, um, key insights along the way that allowed you to, to create the boundaries and the discipline necessary to grow your business, but also, you know, feel like you can be on the road and take the time that you need to live your life. Yeah. I mean, scheduling is a huge part of that. I'm uh, kind of ruthless in how I schedule my time and I do calls with clients and I do calls with my group programs all three days a week. And I tend to not let people book me for one week out of the month. I can book myself that week, but nobody else can. So I create more spaciousness in my calendar like that. I have tons of creative projects. I just published one of my books in January. I've created an Oracle deck from scratch over a couple of years. 
Um, I have creative projects and new programs and courses that I'm launching every few months. And so to have that creative mojo space and also to be driving across the country for days at a time, I needed days where I wasn't on call, where I wasn't on Zoom, where I wasn't um, required to be in service or signal to run a business. And I still work on those days sometimes, but that creates the spaciousness in my life. So I have some heavy days in the middle of the week. We're actually recording this on Friday, which is normally a day I don't do calls, Um, but that frees up the rest of my schedule. And so it allows me to do that thing, live that lifestyle, move from place to place, be where I want, and also connect with the people when I go visit friends and family around the country. Yeah. Well, what do you say to the people that um, say like, well, that sounds amazing, but I'm, I have this belief that I'm needed during those other times. And what if my clients need me or I need to stay on top of things? Yeah. How do you break that, that assumption and create this space for yourself and be so um, ruthless with your schedule. Yeah. Well, is that really true? And do, does it really require five days a week? Because somehow you manage to have two days off a week. Most people do. Mm-hmm. Um, and is it possible that you could take Friday back for yourself or would it be more fun to take Monday back for yourself and you could try it. I mean, when you're booking with a client, they're saying, does this time work? Does this time work? Well, you just say, no, Monday doesn't work. And you put them on the next day or that week isn't good for me, put them on the next week. They don't even really have to know what's going on for you to organize your schedule in that way. Um, But yeah, I mean, your schedule is yours. Nobody else should get to tell you how it goes. If you have somebody that has absolutely no availability except for that one day you have off, maybe that's your exception to the rule. Or maybe you reorganize to make um, that work for that person. But yeah, we have to be the masters of our own domain or else what's it all for? I totally agree. Was this hard for you at first or did you just have the clarity? The hard part is that you want to have more, like if you want to have more clients and you're already booked up on those three days solid, you got to start looking at does, does, is there something on those days that can go? I'm a really big fan of like masterminds and like co-working and collaborating with my peers and having like my business besties that we meet on a regular basis. I've had times in, in my business growth where I had to take stock and say, is this call really contributing to me? We've been doing it for years on end and like we have this loyalty to each other, but is this actually something that I need to keep in my schedule? And if not, then what else could I be putting in that time? Um, so there are places where you have to check and recheck and like with anything, this isn't a hard and fast rule. Like we're meeting on a Friday right now, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) but it's a guideline that frees up more time and space. I've started noticing that I felt more stressed when I had calls five days a week because I was trying to squeeze my creative projects and like get into the zone of writing my book or the zone of making art in between client calls. And so my brain had to switch gears and then switch back to facilitating or to coaching many times a day. And that that actually took up more bandwidth and made me feel more stressed. So for me, it was actually really light to change my schedule around so that on days without calls, I can go deep into whatever creative project I'm working on. And I know that nothing's going to have to pull me out of that. Um, so yeah. And I also noticed that if I kept my mornings free, cause for a while I was booking just like noon to seven every day and I would have the mornings for me, 
but it was like the morning it's kind of like Sundays get tainted by Mondays. The morning was like, always like, Oh no, like what can I even possibly, I can't do anything in that time. Like calls are coming. You got to get ready for the calls. So that didn't work for me. So I had to change it around. It's a guess and check system. Absolutely. Yeah. You got to experiment. I just spent three days um, with like a writing retreat offline earlier this week. And it was, you know, some of the most productive time working on my book that I've had because of the space, the amount of space to really, really go deep and not be distracted. It's amazing. Um, And, you know, it's easy for entrepreneurs to be able to establish that because we are the owners of our own domain. Yeah. Organizations, it's something that uh, I hope continues to evolve as we evolve the way that we work because. Yeah, I think they're seeing that a lot. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was just saying you're like, you're a great um, example of, of like what can be done when you um, like break the status quo. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that more and more people are starting to recognize that the corporate world, the way it was before the pandemic um, has room for editing now, you know, if that all those jobs could be done from home for all that time, do people really need to come into an office? Is that actually really supporting them or do they need to be in an office five days a week? Um Yeah. And I was living with some friends um, off and on this past year, and they went from being at home doing their job to having to go back to their workplace to do their job. They're like, you know what? I get so much more done when I'm at home because it's like I do these calls and then I go outside and I'm like in nature for a minute and then I come back in and do the next thing. It's so much easier to follow through on all the things I need to do when I don't have to be stuck in the cubicle or the office or the box all day long. So there's something to be said for questioning that stuff too. I mean, for you right now, you're sitting in the, I'm guessing it's the back of your van. Yeah. Are you looking out at some, I picture you looking out at like yeah. some cool lake or mountainscape or something. There are beautiful mountains right here. I'm actually in my friend's driveway. So I'm looking at her cute house, but yeah, there's mountains right above her house. <laughs> but I am often, I like to park near the beach. I'm, I'm an ocean person more than a mountain person. But yeah, when I can, I'm on a beachside turnout. And, you know, when I'm recording a podcast, I'll close the door. But when I'm just working, I have the door open. People ask, aren't you tired of being in such a small space? I'm like, no, all I have to do is open my door. And my living room is like the planet. Yeah. Yeah. You're right there in nature whenever you want to be. Yeah. Oh, it's really inspiring. It's very cool. When you think about the last two years and, and, you know, for you, um, other people may have feel like I'm, I'm trapped in my home or maybe we've learned to have the gratitude for being in our homes. And I think that's been a lesson, but you've been out there in the world. But when you think about the last two years, not just with the pandemic, but you think about everything that's happening in the world. You think about what's going on with, you know, Russia and Ukraine right now. You think about climate change. What are the biggest lessons that you've learned in the last two years? I mean, one of the biggest ones is that people matter more than things. And that being connected to your people and reaching out, um, whether you're going through something or whether you know they're going through something, that is one of the most important things you can do in life is stay connected to your people. It's call them when you're thinking about them. And um, that's one of my favorite things about this lifestyle. I know there's a lot, every van lifer has a different way of doing it. And mine is a lot more going and visiting people than other people's may be. Um, but it's one of my favorite things to get to just park outside my friend's house for a week and not just like be there visiting, but like live my life alongside them and like be in my own little guest house. I don't even have to encroach in their world 
but we get to have like a life together for a week. And there's this quality time and this sense of like togetherness that you don't get if you just come visit somebody for like 48 hours and then leave. Yeah. Um, or even like getting together over lunch or something is you feel that rush to like, we got to catch up on everything. It's been yeah. you know too long since we've seen each other. Yeah, exactly. What other lessons have you found? Um, I mean, one of the businessy ones is that more people than ever are capable of running their business online. I think that people who were like, no, definitely not. I always will be in person. I have to see my clients face to face are starting to realize that they don't have to, and they actually want to be able to travel and they want to be able to, you know, live in different places and not feel stuck to that one spot. And so I've had a lot of great conversations in the past couple of weeks with people who are like, I don't want to have an office anymore. I don't want to have to see my clients face to face. I don't want people to come into my house for sessions anymore. And I want to know how to expand beyond that. So I think it's more like we're more questioning reality than we ever have before and looking at what else is possible. And I think that's solo question, what else is possible? What more is, is what more am I capable of? What more does this life have to offer me than ever before? And more people are questioning that and finding like new possibilities for themselves. And I find that very inspiring. Yeah. As do I, what else is possible for you? What else is possible for me? I mean, my next big dream is um, buying land, which I won't live on full time, I'm sure. Um, but building a retreat center, having a place for people to gather to do transformational work um, on some land and actually homesteading at some point. Do you have an idea where that would be? I was looking, I was looking in Washington state. I actually found a piece of property that I fell absolutely in love with, but then I talked myself out of it because it didn't have any trees. And I do want to make art in forested parts of my land. And it had a 10 acre Alpine Lake on the property that I was like, really lit up by, but I want to have retreats. I want to have events. And it was too far from the nearest airport. It was like three and a half hours from the Spokane airport, which is just a little too far. If you're having people fly in and want to come to an event, that's a long yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. But you're onto something. Alpine Lake, trees. Something's forest. happening. Yeah. Partly forested, swimmable water on the property. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Was that in the, like the Metau Valley by any chance? It was up in the Okanagan country yeah. up yeah. near the like, Canadian border beautiful it's beautiful so right now what's what's your business i mean you talked about hypnosis and then you did all this training and coaching and then you got into content creation and building so right right now i mostly work with coaches and holistic practitioners people who trade in wisdom and guidance so like service-based businesses yeah and usually my clients already have a one-on-one practice that they're seeing clients either online or in person, one-on-one, and they know that they want to add in a one-to-many model side of their business. Um, So I help people figure out what that looks like, look at what their offerings are right now. And we take it from many different sides. There's the broadcasting side of your business. Where are you showing up online? How are you getting visible? What's your messaging? And then we take it into the frameworks of your actual business model. What are the offerings that you have? What are the courses and programs that you want to create? Often it looks like a group program or a home study course that we want to start with. And then what are all the pieces of that puzzle? Because there's a lot of moving parts and to make everything go streamlined, connect to each other, 
we want to be mindful about how one piece ends and leads to another piece. So I help people figure out what that looks like for their business. It's not a cookie cutter thing. Even two people who are teaching or training the same topic are completely different facilitators and need to run a business in different ways, have different strengths. So we do that um, in a customized kind of way for each client. And I do that through courses, my own courses and programs. I have tons of free offerings on my website that people can dive into. I'm a really big fan of tools and automation and my heart and like genius is in wordsmithing and messaging and finding what that heart song of our people really is. So I bridged those two worlds um, of the content and the copy and the creation and also the technology and strategy and automation. And I'll say that anyone listening who may think they want to work with me, I do it through a very woo woo lens because I do come from a background of hypnotherapy and I have like a very consciousness cosmic way about me. So what I noticed was doing these things with my clients Everything could be set up right and could be showing up well, but there's sometimes this energetic block to actually receiving the clients or actually receiving the income or actually taking that leap to the next level of income or of impact. And I, w- I was curious about that. What is that? It, happened, it happens for me at different stages in my business. And it's a quality of our willingness to receive And what I notice is we have a lot of limiting beliefs. We have a lot of internal baggage that often keeps us from actually having the impact or the reach or the magnetic draw for our clients that will take us to where we say we want to go. So I take it from two sides. There's the tactical, which is why my, one of my podcasts is called tactical magic. There's the tactical side of running a business and creating the things. And then there's the magic side where we have to look at our stuff and unpack those energetic blocks so that we can actually be in alignment with what, with what we say we want. So let's explore that a little bit more. Like when you're talking about these energetic blocks, are these like, these are self-limiting beliefs These are things that we just assume to be true about ourselves or our worthiness and therefore limit our ability to dream of like what's potential for us, what's possible. Also our actual ability to receive things, our ability to receive a new client, our ability to receive that much income. Like, what does that look like? Someone who isn't, who isn't able, who they would turn down a new client or like, what do you, what have you noticed? Or the the new client wouldn't even show up that they'd put out the offering and then no one would come to the workshop or nobody would sign up for the program or, you know, all the best laid plans would lead to not enough response. And so then we want to, I mean, in that process, we want to look at, are our magnets on, or are we saying we're doing all this stuff, but really we have like placed this energetic invisibility cloak in front of us. And we don't actually want anyone to find us because we're actually scared that we're not good enough or scared. We can't do what we say we, we are doing or, um, scared who will be if we take up that much space or scared of, you know, being burned at the stake because there's some cellular DNA, witch wound still in us that if we do too much magic and we show up too big, that will be ostracized, cast out of the village or literally killed for being so awesome. Yeah. So someone could do all of the right tactical things. Everything's done. Every T is crossed. Every I is dotted. It's all set up. And it's sent out to the world and they receive nothing in response. And that's because there's an energetic block. There's something like universal energetically that other people are reading into beyond the text, beyond the content, beyond the information that's shared. Is that yeah. 
it's yeah, I'll say yes to your question. Although there's some like assumptions in there that there is a one right way to set everything up. So there's always going to be room for guessing and checking and uh, improving and understanding the parts of the funnel that are functioning and aren't functioning. So there's always like the business side we can go back to of what can we change and test and actually improve upon. And yes, there's also the energetic side of like, I've been doing this for so long. Like, why have I not been able to get past $40,000 a year when I've been creating and I've been showing up? Like, why is this barrier here? It's like, great, let's look at that. Or, you know, I keep saying I want to do this course and I keep showing up and I keep like writing out what it'll be like. And I just can't seem to share it. I can't seem to actually follow through with letting it out into the world, letting it be born, letting it be seen, letting it be purchased. Okay, well, let's look at that. Why is that there? what's going on for you? What's the deeper level of that? And how can we shift, change, rearrange and understand it in such a way that you're ready to choose beyond that now? Yeah. Molly, in your own story, did you, did you experience this yourself? Did you? Thousands of times. Yeah. What, what, what was that like? Like what were some of those pivotal moments where you realized that there was a misalignment between the things that you were doing, the way that you were being? Yeah. Um, for me, it was, I mean, the first couple of years of business were pretty challenging because like I said, I was overcoming a lot of stories and stuff that I couldn't, or I shouldn't, or who am I to dot, dot, dot. Um, or why would anyone pay me? I don't know enough. People are going to find out. I don't know enough. So how dare I even ask for them to pay me? There are so many stories in there and these are not just to me. Plenty of my clients have the same things. Um, and I'm sure most people out there have some version of that in there. Like, <laughs> why haven't you asked for that raise yet? Well, because there's some story saying I shouldn't, or I can't, or I'm not good enough for it. Um, so yeah, for me, I've had lots of different tools, lots of different breakthrough moments that something changed and then boom, more clients came in the next day or boom, money showed up r- right after that, or boom, a partner came into my life just as that breakthrough happened. And that's what really led me to know that this is like evidence showing that when we change the energy, when we're willing to adjust the internal dialogue, the story that's running in our heads, the subconscious mind and how it actually controls our actions and our reality. When we change that stuff, this reality gives us evidence that it's now a different world we're living in, that something has shifted. And I proved it enough times for me that I started laying these things into my programs and and using this stuff in my memberships, my courses, my groups to kind of do an experiment and see if this stuff works for me, if it changes my reality and allows more money to come in or more clients to come in or more whatever list growth to happen, does it work for other people too? And then time and again, I'm seeing miracles happen, miracles, quote unquote, happen in people's lives because they've unpacked some energetic barrier that now things can be different on the other side. So, um, yeah, I mean, for me, I use some tools called access consciousness. Um, that's one of the biggest like reality shifting toolboxes that I have, which is mainly about asking questions. There's also a lot of body processes involved. And I had a five minute bar session the first time and a bar session, a bar session. It's like, uh, Sounds really woo-woo, but basically somebody puts their hands on your head in different points. There's 32 points on the head, says the magic words, and it clears out the hard drive of your mind. So that's a hands-on process. Um, my, 
financial reality shifted dynamically after that. I went from having like hardly any clients to suddenly three clients signed up, they bought packages, they sent referrals. It was like the steamroll that happened right after having that session. And so I was like, wow, what was that? I need more of that. Let me look into that deeper. And then after I took that, the bars class to actually learn that modality and then the foundation class, it was like six or seven months after that first little session that I had my first $10,000 month. And I was like, wow, the mind and our assumptions about reality have a big impact on what shows up. And so how can I help people find that inner story or find that like thread of what's in my way and what would I like to choose instead? What else is possible to go back to that question and yeah, see what shows up once we look at that. Yeah. Aside from working with you, and I would imagine people listening are, you know, intrigued and saying, I'd like more of that, especially those coaches and, and people that are that are stuck. Yeah. Um, what do you re- recommend for people to do on their own, to do individually? Yeah, I mean, it depends on what you're looking for. If you are just turned on by that magic word I just said, access consciousness, there's tons of YouTube videos and podcasts that are based in that modality. Um tons of facilitators classes all over the world about that it's crazy to me that people haven't heard of it because it's awesome but it only speaks to those people it speaks to so some people won't even have heard that I just said access consciousness and some people are like oh my god what is that go look it up if it's for you um and then yeah for where to start with your business I mean I have a whole page of my website that is just free resources how to set up your online scheduler how to uh, look at the money machine blueprint is what I call it. What are the pieces of the puzzle that you already have? Where are the gaps? What do you need to start thinking about if you want to have your email list growing and leading to courses and programs in the future? Um, But yeah, if you're running a business and it's not quite doing enough of what you want it to do, I would look at what's, what's that missing piece. Oftentimes we're the thing in the way of our business. Sometimes it's that we need to hire somebody who knows more to coach us or guide us and mentor us. Sometimes it means we need to hire an assistant to handle the parts of it that you hate doing and that are holding you back from doing more of what you do like to do. Um, Just being in question, asking yourself what more you want and looking at your business from sort of a bird's eye perspective of where are the places this is stuck sticking itself or that it's stuck and then see what the next step is for you. Is it to hire someone? Is it stuff you want to go watch on YouTube for free? Um, I have a whole podcast called Tactical Magic. That's all about business strategies. I interview tons of different kinds of healers and facilitators and also business mentors and coaches. So I'm showcasing other practitioners and facilitators constantly because I know I might not be the right fit for everyone. But I know that there are brilliant people that I want to pick their brain and have on the show. I'm having you on the show sometime soon. Um, Yeah, it's important to keep asking questions in our lives and look at what what's next. Who what more can I be and create? And also what more is like trying to come through me? Yeah. And what I hear you saying is if it's if you're if you're blocked or it's not working, stop, stand back and get curious. Yeah, as opposed to just continue to push through and, you know, um, you know, the definition of insanity, you know, just trying the same things, expecting different results. Exactly. Um, 
Molly, you had mentioned this card deck that you created. T tell, tell me about that. Like, what is it? It sounds really cool. Um, yeah. And it's, it's something that you've created yourself. Is that right? Yeah. So uh, it was just a passion project. It's not really related to my business. I'm also an artist and make uh, art. And I just wanted to make a deck. It's kind of like a tarot deck, but it's an oracle deck, which basically just means it's made up. It's not based on the same archetypes as the tarot follows. Um, so I created a framework for what I thought the suits of the deck would be and what one through 10 of each suit would be. And then through that framework, I kind of unpacked what the 60 cards would be and then drew them out, wrote a little guidebook about it. And it took me about two years to finish that project because it was 60 pieces of art and a whole, yeah. whole book written about it. But yeah, I launched that a couple of years ago with an Indiegogo campaign, which um, sold out right before it needed to be done. And uh, yeah, it's a beautiful deck. I call it kind of a pep talk deck. You can use it like a tarot deck with asking it a question or doing a spread, but I also just like to pick a card every day and uh, see what it has to tell me. So are the, are the archetypes based on archetypes in mythology or like, you know, yeah. native wisdom or? This is an interesting geeky thing. So I was making a quiz for my business um, to sort of pre-qualify people for my services and like just create a cool lead magnet. That's a quiz. I teach people how to create quizzes like that as lead magnets too. And I was looking at the tarot deck for inspiration. And I found these five cards in the major arcana are the fool, the magician, the high priestess, the empress, and the hierophant. And my friend told me that those, that the major arcana of the tarot actually relates to the Kabbalah, which is the tree of life, which is like some ancient wisdom went down that rabbit hole and started realizing these five cards that I pulled are kind of a framework for how any idea comes into physical reality, that it kind of goes through this process of um, these stages that allow it to come and be born. So it could be how a book gets written, could be how an actual child gets gestated and born. It could be how my van got built. It could be how a business gets grown, how a leader steps into their potency. But those five cards ended up being the five of the six suits. And then I added in the Wheel of Fortune because I wanted to be able to talk about money and wealth in there too. That's something I like to broadcast about. And so those are the suits. And then one through 10 was like the physical, the mental, the whatever, the emotional, the spiritual of each of those suits. And then there's a shadow of each suit and there's a like full expression of each suit. And so I would just relate that, that to what I knew about the fool. So the way those cards work, if you want me to just lay it out, I'll try to be quick. The fool is about boldness. So it's about that leap of faith. It's about being willing to step into the unknown, having some idea come to you and be like, I don't know what this is, but I'm going to start moving towards it. Then yeah. the magician is about resourcing yourself. So it's about learning the modality or the skill about studying the heck out of it, showing up to like practice it and see how it goes. The high priestess is the like oracle on the mountaintop. So that's where you tap back in. You start asking questions. You wonder, um, you make sure that you're in alignment with what you're trying to create and tap into whatever wisdom is trying to come through for you so that it's coming from that place. And then the empress is the creator, the, the mother, the one who actually puts the wheels in motion. The book gets actually written during the empress phase. Like you're throwing words down, you're throwing paint on you're actually making the thing happen. And then the Hierophant is the one who comes back 
and has created this thing and has made it and now gets to share it with the people. So it's the orator, the teacher, the one with the wisdom and the stories to go and broadcast out into the world. It's beautiful. And you just randomly pulled these five cards and they happen to be this, like the, the like the path of creation is really what you're talking about, creating an idea or a product or whatever it might be. Yeah. And the, it, yeah, this framework has just like geeked out everywhere. I, I got real nerdy with it and it ended up being those five cards are the sections of the book that I just published too, which is like my own story of coming into my power as a business owner. And what's the name of your latest book? It's called Wild Hearts Rise Up. Same as my business. Okay. And, um, how, how is that, how is that like going? Are you finding that, um, people we are hit, resonating hit with number it? one in both categories and our launch. So I'm technically an international bestseller on Amazon. Um, I know that's with a little grain of salt when it's on Amazon, but, uh, yeah, the books on Amazon, it went great. Hundreds of people have bought it. I just had a consult with someone, two days ago that I was like, I'm not sure how we got connected, but I got on the consult. She's like, I just finished reading your book for the second time. I was like, it's only been out for six weeks. Like that's amazing. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. It's really fun. And my friend who I'm visiting in Tucson, the book just arrived on her doorstep like today before I happened before I left. So I got to sign her copy of it for her, which was really fun. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, well, people that are listening, please check out uh, Molly's book. Uh, Molly, I want to be respectful of your time. My last question for you is what here needs to be said that we haven't, we haven't shared yet. I think we've covered most of it, but the thing I always leave my videos and podcast episodes with is ask big questions and take bold action because you're here for a reason. And I think those two components, if we're willing to get curious, which we've talked about on this episode already, get curious, ask what more wants to be coming through you, ask what more you want out of life. Ask what greatness you're ready to receive now. Um, make demands of the universe and get really curious about what, what life could be like for you, what you want more of. And then take bold action. If you notice there's something you want to create or you notice a gap in a marketplace and you want to fill it with something, follow through on your dreams. Follow through on those curiosities and see what they become. Because if we don't give up and we don't give in, those passions, those curiosities will become something. And it's just a matter of time and intention and action before it does. Well said. Well said. Thank you, Molly. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for joining us for another episode where we explore the leadership mind. Remember, the mind is where the connection between our being and doing, our intent and our actions. Make sure to visit our website, MassimoBacchus.com where you can like and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Anchor FM, and Apple, so you'll never miss an episode. To download my Conscious Communication Workbook to support you in turning toxic conflict into collaborative gold, please visit MassimoBacchus.com forward slash workbook. While you're at it, if you found the episode valuable, please rate the podcast on your preferred platform and share it with your community so others can join and listen as well. Until next week, remember... To lead with compassion, curiosity, and gratitude, leadership is a gift.